Welcome to Eva the Relationship Maker podcast, where we talk about overcoming struggles, about triumphs, about successes, about relationships, and life in general. I was saying that uh, I'm talking about triumphs, overcoming triumph, uh, overcoming struggles and triumphs, and um, my gentleman guest. He is incredible. I looked up at his bio and I was like, okay, for his young age, he lived a few lifetimes. So I was, I was like, what am I going to ask him about? He has so many things that happened in his life. And to introduce him, his name is Doc Reo. He's known by Doc Reo, but his actual name is Mario, which is a very interesting name. Amir Lawson. And um, I'm, I'm going to go through your bio asking some questions because, um, as I said, it's so interesting and, and that one-liner doesn't describe your experiences and your triumphs and your struggles and, you know, what you have been through in life. I, I don't know, do you believe in intuition? Intuition. Yes, I believe in intuition. That's it's all part of us being human beings and being connected to not just ourselves, but to the universe that created us. Yeah, because first time I saw you and I said, oh, he's interesting. Second <laughs> time I saw you, I said, I would love to interview him. And it had been almost a year, but uh, many things happened since then. And I'm so happy that you agreed to, uh, to talk to me and, and tell your little story. So that was my intuition. And usual, when I'm drawn to someone, it's like intuitively. And I'm curious about the person. I said, there is something behind that face and that smile. So yeah, and I, we have been talking um, about uh, life, about a lot of things. And it's always a pleasure speaking with you, Eva. So it, it goes yeah. both ways. You are Indeed. such a gentleman. And I'm oh, so happy you. that you are, I can consider you one of my friends. So let's okay. go. Okay. You, at very young age, I mean, you just finished <laughs> high school, you enrolled in the army. What were you thinking about? Interesting question. Nobody's really asked me that question. And, and I like the fact that you did. You know, at that time, a lot of things were going on in my life. I was a, a performing artist since I was eight years old. And I'd been around the same kind of crowd, a crowd of, and I love this crowd, don't get me wrong, a crowd of activists and performers and musicians and entertainers. And we were all performing professionally, all involved in things like um, sitting in at the South African consulate, children of war, where some of us went to El Salvador to, you know, help kids who were, you know, involved in the, you know, just help, help the families and help the, you know, uh, our people that we knew from all around the world. And even in the end, or coming close to the end of that that era, you know, being involved in the Nelson, the Nelson Mandela March, you know, in LA, the big march when he came to town, because, you know, that was part of us fighting for his freedom, sitting in those, in those South African consulates, and then performing, not just here in Los Angeles, but all over the United States, performing, it, it just, 
it was something. And then marching three years straight in the Rose Parade and and playing in the Dodger Stadium and, and playing at, at Disney, you know, for L.A. City Marching Band, All City Marching Band and Hamilton Music Academy and, and, and 32nd Street Music, Music Magnet, you know, all these places put me in a in a, in a different phase of life. And I wouldn't have ever joined the military. Being an activist, being in the LA, you know, LA Student Coalition and, 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 and Children of War, we just didn't think about joining the military. So how did you decide that you're going to? What that was, was the, that one point? <laughs> but the interesting thing is at some point in the, in the music industry, you notice that it's not about the music anymore. It's about the money. And I had been in the music industry since a child. It, to me, it was about the art, the craft, the performance, the synergy on stage, everything that we did to make that performance. And that meant that I had to do music the way they wanted me to do music. I had to create the way they wanted me to create for the next few years if I wanted to get to be, to play with the big boys. And I didn't want it. So, so I went another route. Shuckles. You had the shuckles. You do it or you lose it. You do it or you walk away. Yeah. And, and I'm actually glad I walked away because music is still my love. I think I would have hated music had I done it the way they wanted me to. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I'm not the professional musician in this day. I still, I still can consider myself a professional musician because I've been paid to play still to this day. So, but I'm not, you know, the greatest trumpet player or French horn player, because those were the instruments, but I play bass, I play guitar, I play keyboards, I sing now. I, I mean, I sang then too, but I sing much more now. And my life changed a lot because of the military. I saw the world a little bit differently. I saw, I saw the things that I didn't like about the military some of the things I didn't understand about the military, what we don't know, that could, that could change our whole perspective when we start to learn and see it through a different lens. And talking about uh, music, I know that you played in front of uh, Sarah Ferguson and, and, and you love to uh, rap in your bathtub. I saw the Instagram. <laughs> you know, that's... <laughs> <laughs> wow uh you know the things we do for social media uh so <laughs> you know um i in in hot water there's a i have a thing okay yes i played for the let's let's not bury the lead i played for sarah ferguson the duchess of york uh she came to america when we were in junior high school and it was she came to 32nd street usc magnet school to kind of give a blessing to the class of 2000. These children were in kindergarten, kindergarten. See, I still say kindergarten. That's something that, that comes from growing up in South Central, but kindergarten, you know, um, these children were being blessed with this presence. And so we had to perform, you know, because we were the top performers in the school and the ones getting paid for it. So there was this performance set out this whole big old I think a mini, we call it magnet in motion because we would have these performances at USC that we called magnet in motion because the school 32nd street 
USC performing and visual arts school. Now it's a, um, a, a, a STEM school, uh, a STEAM school. I think it's a STEAM school now, but I think it's actually a STEM school. I, that's where I'm getting confused, but it changed from a performing arts school, the first fame, which the second fame was my high school, <laughs> ironically. Um, and it changed from that where we used to perform these shows called Magnet in Motion. And they videotaped it. They even showed us how to use a lot of real video cameras and videotape. We had a first video yearbook. I mean, this wow. is the kind of, yeah, and none of us have it anymore because it died on videotape. But that whole transition led to <laughs> why I do music everywhere, why I think everywhere. And the best place I can think and grow and, and like some people do meditation, some people do steam rooms, some people do all kinds of other things. But for me, a jacuzzi really is the, the, the real pinnacle. If I'm in a jacuzzi, I can come up with all kinds of ideas. I come up with a lot of music and I tend to turn my bathtub into a jacuzzi tub for a while because we don't have a jacuzzi here. So the next place that, you know, I find purchase and own, it will be a jacuzzi. A jacuzzi. So, but yeah. thank you for dressing up. By the way, you look really nice today. <laughs> You, you did not want to see me nude. Yes, because that vision, you don't, yeah. <laughs> You'll tell me, I, I can't imagine you with clothes on. Yeah, <laughs> I would be ever. Because you're, you know, you are half naked. So it's like. <laughs> oh, the things we do for social media. I don't know how to tell you, but I'm, I'm extremely visual. Words become uh, pictures. So I, I just let leave it to that. Okay. <laughs> Words become pictures for me as well. And I'm visual, kinesthetic, and auditory. So I'm a, I, I, I do a lot of listening and watching, or I do a lot of watching and talking. You know what? Since um, this circus is around the world, I'm, uh, I became more auditory because I listen like the, uh, the clubhouse and some other places. So it's, yes. I, I, so I, I I'm, I'm half, half, almost, I'm there, but still, first is visual. So you went to Middle East, and when mm. you came back, you went back to school, and you get a certificate, uh, certification in film, television, production, and you well, were working different, uh, different <laughs> uh, jobs in the meantime. Uh, where is your, your willingness to learn? Because... Uh, after that, you acquired more, cert more diplomas, more certificates, and you are one of those four people who I know, and that comes across Canada, um, that, uh, that um, had, that, God, what's wrong with me? Uh, that Not graduated with magna cum laude, and I think that's one of the highest degree that you can get when you go to university, right? Well, I didn't do magna, unfortunately, just cum laude. But yes, I, I did get, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a voyage for me. And I have to say, because I think a lot of people see that I, you know, I went and I went to the Middle East and I came back and I went to school. But no, that wasn't, it wasn't an easy road. <laughs> I went to the Middle East and I served with my unit. And when we came back, uh, I 
spent some time kind of soul searching for what I really wanted to do. And I kind of didn't leave the military on the best terms, even though I was let out early, like three months early with pay, pay for those months. But it wasn't the, the best terms with my unit and, and the people in my unit, which we talk now and things are different now. You know, we, we went through a voyage and I just wasn't in the, in the greatest energy when I left the military. I just the way it is. And as you can hear the construction next door, the guy is probably putting in carpet for all I know. I so, cannot hear anything. Oh, okay, cool. I'm feeling it. The floors vibrating, the rooms vibrating. And, and that doesn't happen with all the equipment I have. So I'm kind of like, is it an earthquake? No, it's not. Okay. So, uh, you know, I, I got out of the military and I was kind of lost. Be honest, I was lost. The first thing they tell you when you get out of military is they give you this, um, this, this transition assistance program. They call it TAPS now. Um, and it wasn't called TAPS. I don't think it was called TAPS when I was there because they just called it, you know, hey, you get to learn about truck driving or any uh, machine shop or metalworking or anything that you didn't really want to do when you got out of the military. And most people in, in a lot of fields, especially in a cavalry scout like me, um, it's a different field. We are a jack of all trades. Literally, I'm a jack of all trades. I went into a, the military as a jack of all trades because we are the ones that have to go out front by ourselves. We connect with um, uh, special forces, rangers. We also communicate with them and then we communicate back to the main group so that they can move all the infantry and everybody else forward and make sure they move forward safely. We look for mines. We set up, um, we, we set up and, and observe ambushes. We call for fire from artillery. There's a whole thing that we have to know and do. And for us, we had 19 weeks of OSID basic training. That's one station unit training OSID. That's what that means. So that means for one, for 19 weeks, we were with the same drill sergeants, the same type of training. And infantry does that too. They do 12, uh, I think 15 weeks of OSID training, but because ours was in the midst of a storm in Kentucky, we got trapped in the barracks. <laughs> so we stayed longer under the term of these drill sergeants. And so it was just, it was just a, the whole thing for us became, you had to kind of get to know your brothers. You know, you really were connected with your team out there and you lose that identity when you walk out of the military. And that's the thing I didn't understand. That's the thing I think my Lieutenant was trying to make me understand when he was telling me, Hey, here's an opportunity to go to West Point. And I'm like 10 years, hell no. Be honest. That was a mistake in a lot of cases. However, I don't regret. You see what I mean? That was a mistake from not knowing when I was young. However, I don't regret not having that opportunity. Yeah. I don't think I wanted to be in the military going to school. I think I don't it was think, your intuition. I, I would, I, I, just like I did with music, I had to walk away from music. Otherwise I'd lose my love for music. I would have lost my love for education. Mm -hmm. And so when you ask me about the education that I have to go back to that, that's a powerful point that leaving the military and being lost kind of gave me that drive for education. Mm -hmm. Being caught up in situations that I didn't start. I mean, I, I don't have a fear of explaining that I was connected with a guy um, who had an ounce of cocaine in, his, in the vehicle with us and we got caught by the ATF and I was pinned with 1.2 grams of powder cocaine possession with intent to distribute and I didn't do it. 
I don't have a problem telling people that I lost a year of my life for something I didn't do, Mm -hmm. even though I had been doing something similar before because I was lost. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I was around that particular guy is because I was lost. And I probably needed to get caught and needed to lose that year of my life. So these things led me to, to getting back to when I got out, I got into jewelry sales. And, and I spent, I got back into jewelry sales because I was already working for this company before, but they allowed me to come back and they allowed me to work hard and become and make $60,000 a year in sales and learn how to really get back into the community. Mm-hmm. I've had a lot of opportunities where I've fallen short and, and been given a road back. And I think education didn't come until years later. It didn't come until I got back into the entertainment industry. And even when I went and got those certificates, I wasn't focused on those certificates. I really wasn't. I was focused on how can I work in entertainment? And that got me to USC, which I dropped out. And, you know, I mean, before I started, I dropped out already and was already working in film and television with people from USC. So it became a different voyage for me. And, And then I came back after losing all that. So we could talk about that further down the road. But yes, the climb up to get in entertainment was all about how can I work as a producer? And then when I got there, the world was a little bit different when you see it. But, but what you did, you were a host at one of the radios and it's the KPCR radio. KPCRadio.com. You became yeah. a, an assistant director, and after you became the the director, the program director. Yeah, program that was director. a that was an interesting voyage, and that was after too. Because <laughs> see, there's a lot that happened in between. Um, but yeah, I became a broadcaster um, after going back to school. Yep. After uh, after no film and television. No wonder that I'm saying that you could read me the phone book, which doesn't exist anymore, unfortunately. Because you have such a really like a, your voice, it's so soothing. It's, it's really made for a, for a radio. I'm always embarrassed when you all say that. <laughs> I don't know why, because I, you know, I spent a lot of years. Um, it's funny because I, I relate to JT when he says he stuttered. You, I still stutter. I I stutter, but it wasn't like. JT stuttered. I, I, I just want to put it out there. I didn't have a severe stutter. I stuttered because I see things with dyslexia and I read things. I'm afraid to read in front of people. I'm still to this day. I read in front of people all the time, all the time. But anytime I'm reading in front of people, I am so afraid. That's like, like I'm, it's like jumping out of a, a, a plane. Anytime you walk to a door of a plane, you're going to always have that no matter how many times you jump out, you're used to it. You know, you're going to jump anyway. However, every time you get to the plane, your gut goes crazy because you're looking out and you're going, oh my goodness. That's the same thing. Right. When I look at those letters, they start jumbling all around and I'm like, oh my goodness, they're going to know I can't read. But you know, why? I can read, I can you know read well, you, but you know that's the way I feel. Butterfly. You know why you have that butterfly? That? Because you care. I, I do. I do. I do care that the words are said the way they are written because I didn't write the words and I respect the person who wrote them. You know, even if I'm like, mm, I don't agree, but I respect that they put them in writing because I have a hard time writing. 
I have a hard time writing for, you know, classes, for journals. And yes, I do get a lot of A's. I didn't do so well this past summer, but, you know, I have a hard time doing the work and sitting down, but I have this five minute rule to make me do it. So when I sit down for five minutes, it becomes two hours. Yeah. And that two hours, hopefully is a paragraph. Most of the time it's a lot more than that, but I just say that because that's usually what will happen when you get blocked and you want to sit down and write. Uh, but, you know, can you write a paragraph? But I tend to be able to write more than that because I know how to just write and get it out. And then I can come back and rewrite it, which I hate even more. So <laughs> I don't like writing, but you, I do a lot have of you, it. Have you heard about <clears throat> the iPads? That you oh, can, yes. You can dictate? Yeah, I still got to write it for you. So you don't have to write it. Oh, you still got to write it. You still got to write it. You know, I'm I've waited for years for this time when I can just dictate. Still got to write it. Still got to rewrite it. Still got to rewrite it. Still got to rewrite it. Even when you dictate. And even though, you know, I don't mind as much rewriting when I dictate now, um, because I do dictate a lot more. When I do stuff for these journals, it's got to be written. It's got to be typed out because it just doesn't come across the same. When I do stuff for like um, online classwork, that's going to be more for um, companies and corporations. Uh, you can have a little, you can have a little fluff in it if you want to say, and 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 have mistakes, word mistakes, and and have all this stuff because the general public. They're not reading journals, but when you get to people who are reading journals, it is so tight niche on APA seven or whatever format, mostly APA seven is journals. But if you're in writing for college, it is so niched on making sure everything is according to the standard that dictating just doesn't work. And the way Siri works, y'all see me in my post, y'all see me typing mistakes consistently and then rewriting and saying, oh, Siri, I don't want to blame Siri because later she's going to rule the world. Her and, and Alexa <laughs> going to rule the world, making sure they don't come on. And, uh, you know, and I don't I don't want to accuse them of anything because I don't want to be caught in the middle. So, <laughs> you know, they already know they they already know about Skynet. They're probably going to be the ones forming it. So with that being said, <laughs> Terminator reference. Uh. <laughs> so I just would like to uh, to tell my listeners what I said. This show is about uh, overcoming struggles and triumphs. And if you have an excuse not to go to school, not to learn, uh, here I have somebody who overcame everything and did it. So you have no excuses. I'm, I'm so in awe with you because I know how hard it is and it's easier to give up than to, to go day by day and says, okay, one more day, one more day. And that's how you can, you can triumph, that you take one day at a time because if you look at the big picture, it really scares you. You look out from the plane that you jump and it's, you have all this space around you. It scares you. So... Um, so kudos to you. I'm I'm so it's, and like so you're saying, proud. it's easy. It's easy to go and sit back down on the plane. It's real easy. I, I trust me, I've done it. I, I'm just gonna say before I went back to school, what we were saying earlier, I, I made it to the position of a producer, a vice president of production with a 
a company that I started with a business partner that we had, we had a business coach, we would have done much better. Had we seen a JT Fox around that time, which he was around that time, had I run into him, that would have been so much better for us as a business because we would have done a lot more. And if not, we, yeah, we weren't ready. I wasn't, I definitely wasn't ready to hear it. You know, I wasn't ready to hear it until after I walked away from that business, after I walked away from a contract that said, I could not compete for five years. That's a big deal. Now I wrote the contract. So Mm -hmm. I'm walking away from my own contract. So I know what I'm going to do now. Don't get me wrong. I could have competed. I could have been disloyal, you know, but I, my whole thought process, I'm not going to compete for five years. So I transitioned into something else. Well, I didn't really get a chance to transition because I just said, screw it all. And like you said, it's easy to go sit back down on that plane before you're jumping out the window when you see the big picture. In my head, I saw the big picture and I didn't like the big picture. I was like, is that it for being a producer? The big picture isn't really what it's cracked up to be. But I was more worried about me, not my community. And that put me in a spiral with the post-traumatic stress that I already have. You know, I do, I did, I still do have a little anger management issues, you you know, um, and with that post-traumatic stress came depression, deep depression. And I just gave up. And that's how I ended up on Skid Row. And for six months, I stayed on Skid Row until I said, no, you know, I got to get up. And I started looking at options. And I got up from Skid Row, tried to take some people with me, but you can't bring everybody with you. You know, sometimes you got to change your friends and grow without them. Yeah. Or if, if you consider friends that I, I met on the street for six months, I don't know if I can consider them friends, but there were some good people that I saw there that I felt could benefit if they took advantage of some of these programs, but they didn't want to take advantage of the program. They liked where they were at. And so I got up and I got into my own apartment and I finally got started to get things back together and got back into second life, got back into digital world and started a business in, in helping people, you know, uh, get their online stuff together. And what I mean by that is web, uh, being able to host, uh, get domains, get, you know, everything you need, a website, get it all together for your company, your business, your brand. That's what I started doing locally and consulting for small companies. And then that became consulting for, you know, um, different types of colleges, kind of sort of consulting where I became a program director and then really started consulting on something that a lot of people didn't know about, Shoutcast. A lot of people didn't know about podcasting and how how to actually set up a podcast except for through Apple Podcasts. When people like Chris Voss of the Chris Voss show that people see around, him and I, we've been back in the early days when we had to hook up Winamp and hook up all these little things and try to figure out how to, how are we going to broadcast? Hey man, I'm going to broadcast over here. Hey, okay. I see Chris over there broadcasting. I think he's doing it this way. And we were all working in a community just like this NFT community now to kind of promote shoutcasting. And then shoutcasting became, that's how you, um, that's how you announce video games while podcasting became the new name of what we did. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, those announcers on video games, they're called shoutcasters now, you know, so instead of announcers, which they're kind of announced sports announcers, they're called shoutcasters. So these new names started to develop and these new avenues started to develop and we see history 
repeating itself once again. And that's why I mentioned Second Life, because as I'm doing radio broadcasting, I'm still going back and trying to figure or yes, I was trying to figure out because I was just trying to figure out how I can recapitalize on the money that I made back in, then and the Bitcoin that I sold before then and the things I gave away before then, you know, and it's interesting when I look at the fact that I had all these opportunities and sold them before the date or got rid of them before the date. And now these opportunities are repeating themselves in today's era. It's a good thing I went back to school and, and did some learning because now I've set myself up in a position. I finished my bachelor's degree, which is in entertainment, media management, everything I do. And then I go over to education. Education is an interesting focus because now we have a era where people need to learn more. You know, I, I was... Uh... I believe that we meet, you said that those people, you, you were on the street, you, can, you don't know if you can call them friends, but I believe in life, we meet people as we need them. It doesn't mean that we're going to stay with them. So I, I consider short-term friends and long-term friends, you know? So <laughs> indeed, indeed. In the long terms, I really like going to last long-term, but we, we always learn and we always advance. We, we, we cannot know what we don't want in life or what we want unless we discover that and we take the time that I don't want to be in this place. And I know that you are, um, very, you are involved with the, um, with the veterans. Yes. Yes. I, I, you know, that is one of the things that I love because after going through that process myself and saying, Hey, I can get back and go to school and do all these things. I didn't have any benefits. I didn't get my army college fund that I paid into. Um, and I wasn't going to get it. I was already past the term because somewhere my record of military service disappeared in the thin air. Things that happened with military paperwork because up until about 2017, they used to send the original copy to wherever it was needed for you to get your paperwork done. Well. I needed to get my paperwork done here at the federal building. Well, for some reason, the National Archives, the National Archives now, okay. didn't send a photocopy. They sent the original to the federal building. I don't even get my original birth certificate, but you can send my original record of military service to the federal building. So that was their format. They'd send the original records and original records would disappear and get caught in fires. Well, it might've been a good idea that mine was at the federal building because I think there was a fire at the particular place that mine was at and mine might've been burned. I think I did get a letter about that, 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 that might be my, why mine was missing for so long until they recalled all records. And finally, after so many years, 1995, wait, 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 hold on. When did DARPA create the internet? I'll leave that up to the audience to figure out. DARPA created the internet, right? <laughs> they just now correlated all their records on the internet in 2017. And mind you, DARPA also created the metaverse. When we were in the military, I have to be stand corrected because I told somebody 2004 is when the metaverse was created. No, DARPA created it because in the military, we had SimNet. SimNet. Mm -hmm. I didn't get it. Until one day I was thinking, what was the name of that thing we did in the military SimNet? Whoa, 
it just popped in my head and I'm like, simulator? That's what the metaverse is. That's what it was in Second Life. We built simulators. We ran simulators. And net, a network of simulators, SimNet. So who built the meta metaverse? Who's been in the metaverse since everybody? Who's probably controlling most of the metaverse? Well, I would probably say our government is. Our government has the key entry into all of it already, except they are the ones putting the fear behind it as well. So that's kind of interesting, right? And it's because the lack of what we don't know and, and, and I know a lot because of spending time and I want to educate people with what I know, what I've seen, so we can see how history has mm -hmm. played out because I don't fear that the military has it. They're always going to be ahead of us. They're always creating before us. However, how we continue to control it, how we continue to educate people, how we continue to develop the area is dependent upon us. We make things their value, we create value, right? So if we can create value as community, we create it through the education, educating each other, helping each other grow and growing together. And I wanna help people figure this new era out, this new, this new, uh, I wanna say fungible token era, but I don't even wanna say that. I wanna say this new fiat era because fiat currency has been here forever. Every country has fiat currency. I How long know. will that last? Well, yeah, except for um, Great Britain, the pound. The pound is actually, well, they also have paper formats of the pound. The mm -hmm. American dollar is fiat currency. Every, every, yeah, because it's not, it's based, it's supposed to be based on gold. It's supposed to be based on values, valuable. It's supposed to be based on, you know, mainly based on gold, but we've been taken off the gold standard since Nixon. So, that's a whole transition on why our currency is fluctuating and why people are consistently growing and able to grow and people aren't able to consistently grow. Because essentially, if we were on the gold standard, people wouldn't be as wealthy and people wouldn't be as poor. Or maybe they would. No, they would not. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's very interesting. I'm not going to go into politics because um, all my family, it's very much into it. And I'm a very, <laughs> very strong believer that- <clears throat> we Well, I skirt the politics, but looking at the history, yeah, just looking at the history, it's kind of interesting. We little puny people yeah. not go, know what's going up up there. <laughs> we don't deserve it. So- hey, hey, I'm not in it. I'm just saying from observation and not, and not ridiculing. Not ridiculing because I can't, I can't, I'm not in it. If I'm not in it, I can't say much about it. All I can do is vote. So, you know, but I, I do look at history and, and try to compare and see how the 1920s became the depressive 30s and how our 19, our 2020s are going to go into the 30s. I do worry about that. And I, and I, and it has to do with the stock market and it has to do with this transition. So fiat currency, the transition of it, it's going to be an interesting fold because that might be our savior from keeping us in a new depression. I hope so. I hope so because all this money printing, it doesn't help the inflation at all. Exactly. So, you know, and that's and why people, I'm not talking about the politics, but the money but, printing is bad. <laughs> but people should go and want to work. It's a big shortage of workers because they get the money. Why go to work? Because sometimes they make more money now getting from the government. And that makes people lazy instead of, 
instead of going and work and then being proud and doing something and building the economy. I don't know. Anyway, it's, uh, it's easy to be lazy. It's easy to sit back down on the plane. But you know what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you have been, how to say it, when you travel and when you know other nations, you know other ways how people think, how they live, how the government is, you are much more to recognize when your government is in deep shit, basically, because you had been through it. You had experience, you had seen it, and and you worry more than people who never had anything. They were like, you know, in the posh place and everything was uh, just right for them. So it, it's it's always harder for them to recognize that there is a problem, that yeah, we should do something about it. And the problem is everywhere now. And that's the hardest part because everybody's not even... I think in every country, they're going through the same thing when it comes to people not wanting to go back to work. Yeah. And that's scary. And that's, what you that, do, you watch TV all day. I mean, I don't want to retire. And you know, I'm, you know, my- I love you for that. <laughs> you know my story how, where I'm at in life. And I'm still doing things. I still have clients. I still, you know, I, it, I'm not sitting around and waiting to uh, to die or waiting to something happened, you know, to bring you're an inspiration, Eva. If we could, if we could do half of what you're doing, you know, it's just yeah. Thank you're you. You're an inspiration. Thank you. I'm 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 all good. I'm here and I'm doing what I have to do and I'm talking to you most importantly. Yeah. And but I you know- live more lives than I have too. So <laughs> yeah. well, you, you are live- not at my age. So you still have a way to go. I I guess I do still have a way to go. I mean, how many? But you're still amazing. (laughs) How how many people I know that retired in his forties? I mean, it's like holy crap! How you did it, and you still not retired. You are retired, but you're still working hard. You are, uh, you are a mentor. That's a little secret for me. I, you know, when I was a little child, I said I was going to retire at forty-five. It did not turn out the way I wanted. However, I did retire at 45. That's interesting, right? Now, in the retiring at 45, most people wouldn't call it retirement. Mm -hmm. I got injured in the military and I'm getting compensation for that. And it is about as much as I would get for my retirement at 45 had I done everything in the music the way I, I would have originally, what I walked away from. What I said I was going to do, retire 40, all that, I would have gotten something similar for retirement, except I would have had a lot more residuals coming in, which I actually have that coming in from working in the tech field. So it's it's kind of interesting that I've got those things coming in anyway, and the money is here anyway, but it's just not the way that I saw it when I was six years old. And I said, I was going to retire at 45, eight years old. And I said, I was going to retire at 45, 12 years old. I'm going to retire at 45. And then I, I thought to myself, you know what? I'm not even going to live past 21. But I did. So that's the interesting part of that whole thing. And the secret is that I'm not fully retired. I'm not receiving Social Security, but I'm receiving a form of military retirement. Thank you. Good. And you have the chance to do something that you really love. You are not struggling that I have to go and and find this job and work for this person and follow orders. 
but you can do something that you like, like I said, uh, love that you do uh, with the veterans. You are. Um, as Susan oh, Tickman yes. said, I'm not as hungry. As and, Susan Tickman says, I'm not as hungry. And that's why I'm out there volunteering to help other veterans. Yes. Um, because the situation I went through with my DD-214 and still didn't know how to get my veterans benefits after getting my DD-214 back, it was chaos. And so I'm a veteran service officer. We, essentially, I'm a chapter service officer, the first stage for us that are not students because we're working on a new form of service officer right now. Not even sure I'm supposed to mention it fully, but um, I am a chapter service officer and that means I help other veterans understand the process so that they can get into the disabled American veterans, California disabled American veterans and sit down with our department and national service officers and get their paperwork set up properly so that they can get veterans benefits. So it's a process that we go through. It's a, it's, it's, it's literally a year or more long process to get your benefits. However, every veteran that has been in at least two years has served at least two years deserves benefits. And even some that have not, it all depends on your situation and every veteran should apply because even in basic training, and I'm not saying this for those because there's a lot of people using the system and, and then a lot of people telling me, man, you should use it anyway. But in the same sense, I'm not saying for the fact of the people that are use, using, I'm just saying you may have end up with post-traumatic stress from basic training. You don't know. You don't know until you have that opportunity. You're not controlling your anger. You're not knowing until you go seek medical attention. All it could be is you sitting down, a veteran sitting down with a counselor, just talking with a counselor once a month that relieves that pressure. You never know what it is. Each person is different. And so that's why I work with veterans. And like I said, as Susan would say, <laughs> I'm not hungry enough or I'm not as hungry as some people out, some of the people in our groups because I'm retired. I can, I have choices. However, don't get me wrong. I love making money and I love figuring out ways to make money and real estate is, is my newest venture and I'm learning as much as I can while I'm out here doing things that I already know still. So even though I may not look as hungry, oh yeah, there's a fire back in me that keeps me going. Otherwise I wouldn't be in education so long. There's a reason why I'm doing these things. And you are also an NLP Master practitioner. <laughs> you know, that's a course that we all take and uh, we call ourselves master practitioners, but you know, who really is a master practitioner? I don't know. Well, somebody because, who knows it all. Yeah I, yeah, I look at that too, because even those who know, the, those who know it all, tell us about their mistakes. Tell us about the times that they still have struggles mastering their life. So who really is a master practitioner? I really feel like we're, we, we, we mastered the study behind it, but the actual experience takes a lifetime to master. And so, yeah, I've taken the course, the NLP master practitioner. I'm certified as a NLP master practitioner by the guilds. Um, and so what? I, you know, I love it. I love the knowledge. Don't get me wrong. The knowledge 
is, you know, understanding my value system under for me. Yes. But for, for serving other people, it doesn't really serve other people as much. It serves me more. And that's what I, that's what I, I'd love to point out about that program. I love it. And we, as we learn about ourselves, then we can start serving other people. Yeah. That's really what it boils down to. And and I think a lot of people are saying, I'm an NLP master practitioner, I'm an NLP practitioner, but they're not even learning about themselves first. And that's why I said, so work, what? Because that's the, key. the key is about us learning about ourselves mm-hmm. so that we can learn about our community. That's how we get to those levels of value. It's always us, then it's outside, then it's us, then it's our community, then it's us, then it's our community. So what is important to you? Where you go from here? What, what the future wow. looks like? You have an idea just because you had this idea of 45, I retire, I retire. It happened. So you have something like that for the future? Well, I didn't. And, and I do now, but I didn't. And that's why I went on that downhill slope mm-hmm. and, 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 and had to start over. And when I got that idea back is when I went back into education. I went to Pierce College and had to go through this whole process of, of starting a whole new degree, journalism, because they didn't offer film and television. And that's how I got into kpcradio.com. And that's how I got on a few different radio stations as well as 88.5 here at KC Sun and worked with several different radio hosts and, and people because I started to realize that when I got back into education, you have to be a part of a community. And that's how I got into veterans as well. I worked at the Veterans Resource Center at CSUN and learned with my, you know, my veteran brothers and got into a veterans for all um, a co-ed veterans fraternity, and which is one of the first, where you know, we all connected. Didn't matter what sex, didn't matter what race, color, creed, we're all veterans. We're all dealing with the same stuff. And we got a lot done. We got service awards that on my wall and, and on my chest and president, presidential awards and, and things that we all grew from yes. and, and are still growing from. And many of us went over to a new school, USC, back to, back to the fold. I wrote about this. I did. I, that's why I said I didn't have, because my song says, LA Trojan Patriot Corsair first became a cub after returning from war, from a bull to a matador, these are all schools. So these are all the school's names, from a bull to a matador, CSUN, changing the score, breaking through cylinders while opening doors, I'm headed back to the fold, Cardinal and Gold, USC. I didn't have a plan after that. And I talked about it, I did. Changing faces, making stations, going live, facing nation, activating activists. I talked about becoming a broadcaster and didn't realize it. And then, I recently finished that song because there's a new voyage. There's a, there's a, two other verses I didn't write. And those verses start to me talk about the community. It's, it's up to me to get back in the community. And I'm glad that I ran into JT Fox and learned about, you know, this thing about loyalty, you know, because I've always been a person who loved loyalty. And, and every time I felt like maybe I made mistakes. We all make mistakes and we can apologize for mistakes and learn from them and not do them again. But I felt like I was losing people consistently. People were leaving and no matter how loyal I was, people were still leaving. And, and, and JT has fired that back up for me about 
loyalty and community and working with our community and, and, and all growing together. And, and that's the key. It's our relationships that we build. And I'm an entertainer. The best thing I can do is stir up that positive energy and, and help people enjoy this voyage because this is exciting times. We're going into exciting times, especially with the founders. And, and I'm excited. And, and I'd love to see where we can all take this, where we can all go in the future. And I want to keep people excited about it because the more they're excited, the more they're going to do. The more they're going to do with us and the more they're going to be with us in our community. Yeah. And so this is just one of those things for me. And, I, and I'm just, I'm happy to be here and I'm happy to be a part of a family that I've connected with so many people. Like I wouldn't have met you had it not been through this community. Yeah. You know, um, and, and I still, it took me, it took me months to really learn where my place and I'm still learning my place. So as I grow, I know that part of it is entertaining others, making people laugh, making people smile and, and figuring out how I can help others learn as I help people enjoy and stay positive. I'm going to have a last question. And after I want to go to some of your uh, personal quotes, just to ask what, what, how you came up with, uh, with those quotes, quotations. Um, the yeah. last question is, what you consider your biggest success so far? Wow. <clears throat> I would have to say, you know, I, I can't say that there is a, a biggest success just yet because it's not there yet. Okay. You know, and, and, and I'm going to say I've had great ones. I've had great successes, but they're always getting bigger each and every day. And I think, you know what? Yes, there is. The biggest success is, is starting to realize who I am and what I need to do. Because I think I, I spent a lot of years doing things for other people and doing things that weren't necessarily for me. And as I started to do things for me, realizing what I really like and really want to do and how I want to do it. And I think that only came through coaching. That's been my biggest success. I, 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 and, love and it. that, love and it. I, you know, I mean, it, it literally, that has been my biggest success because I, I failed along the way and coaching is, is keeping me on the right path and learning the right things. And, and coaching has also started in school. I mean, going to school is coaching. People yeah. don't understand, educating myself and learning. So okay. personal quotations, you have five of them Yikes. here. Uh, five? Um, <laughs> for, for time being, I'm sure you have more. I never um, grow up. I just assume responsibility. I love that. I love that. So how did you come up with that? That was my plan to stay young. See, it worked. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I always thought that growing up meant I had to kill all my, my joy. Mm -hmm. And I always said this when I was a kid. I said, I'm never going to grow up. I'm just going to assume response. I'm just going to do what I need to do, but I'm never going to grow up. I'm going to enjoy my life no matter what. And... <clears throat> Not knowing that really, be honest with you, assuming responsibilities is growing up. However, I maintain that positive, that joy, that great feeling about life. And even 
a lot of people consistently tell me, how do I keep smiling? And I don't even know. I've been through the hardest times. People don't know I've been shot three times growing up in South Central Los Angeles. Wow. From my uncle, my uncle. Your and uncle. yeah, because my uncle was, you know, head of a OG gang still to this day, I oh, think. Um, yeah. But, you know, that's the lifestyle in South Central in the 80s, South Central Los Angeles in the 80s. And it's painful. It's oh. painful thinking about that. I could have lost my life. That's hard. It's, it's, but, but you didn't. I didn't. I grew and I kept going. Chances. And, and, and now that whole neighborhood is different. That whole thought process is gone. And I've been able to kind of like learn from that and see that other people can learn and grow too. And if I can learn and grow, then I can pass it down. And that's, that's, that's part of, if I grow up, then I'm not going to pass back that joy. Mm-hmm. But if I resume the responsibilities, I'm always going to be smiling. I'm always going to be giving that smile back out to other people. And they're going to see me and they're going to smile back and I'm going to feel it back. And it's going to be reciprocal. And we're just going to enjoy life. Right. No matter how much pain we can still smile. Not, you know, Nobody should ever kill the the kid inside themselves because then they become so constipated. You don't want to be around them. You just want to hand them them leg slacks. Come on, man, loosen up. And we got to watch out because the kid has predicted our future already. Some of the things that the kid predicted, we got to look back and remember. Yeah, it was very, very um, on the dot. So push button, baby. What, what? I am like, okay, I understand the first, but the, what button? What baby? What? <laughs> okay, go ahead. I like that one. Uh, Push Button Baby was because of a record label called Push Button Entertainment um, mm-hmm. that the, uh, the gentleman is still working uh, on his label. I just actually sent him a message the other day to find out how he's doing with his music, but I haven't been working with him um, in the past couple of years because we kind of separated. But Push Button Entertainment, Push button baby was something that we did in the songs and the music. And as you asked, you know, I didn't really rap. I, I was around a lot of rappers. I singer, you know, but I've always been in entertainment. So I produced music with rappers and I've done all kinds of different sides of music and learning from them certain techniques and practicing them. Now I see that I rap a lot more in strange situations like the bathtub. So coming full <laughs> circle again, you know, um, that's part of the reason why I rap a lot more now. And I rap, you know, spontaneously and, and, and freestyle, they call it a lot more today. That's why I, I wanted to say you, you could fool me, but uh, it's like you rap, your rapper, like I was listening to you talking here and, you know, wrapping that uh, those lyrics and I'm like oh my god I want your brain I want to learn that it's so much fun push button baby, push button, baby. <laughs> okay Just, you know and it, it actually works for social media the people who are afraid to actually get out there and get on social media and get in these interviews and and, and film themselves and get in the bathtub and film yourself just push the button so you gotta do funny that uh my first uh three years ago my first podcast i had i had 20 takes because i was so afraid but 
I'm here after three years. I'm still doing it after 300 something Love episodes. It. So Love it. Okay, I like this one. And here I'm going to have a smart ass remark at the end. <laughs> Paging Dr. Rio, please report to the emergency room. I hope it's not the Canadian emergency room because here you wait seven to 12 hours. I don't know why it's calling emergency. So, okay, go ahead. That was, that was part of the music too. Paging Dr. Rio, please report to the emergency room. And then the song went, it was like a joke in the song, you know, because because of the nickname Doc Rio. So we kind of played on it, um, having a digital character in a, in a, in a white lab coat and he popped up in certain places in videos and stuff. And he was a digital animated character that we made Dr. Rio. And, <laughs> and so, so like when I make a song, I'd be like paging Dr. Rio, please report to the emergency room, you know? <laughs> and we did this loop about it and it was just kind of funny. Yeah. yeah, it is. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, like when I'm uh, when I'm writing you or I talk to you, it's like I don't even want to say real. It's like, hi, Doc, how are you? It's like, Everybody it's just like, wants to say Doc. Nobody <laughs> wants to say my, yeah, like, oh, no, no, it's, it's just Doc. Yeah. And, and uh, these are all my IMDb quotes, if people are wondering, you know, I love I love these quotes because these are ones that other people, uh, I think other people put up. I have no clue how they got up there. You know, you know. <laughs> okay. I know I I know I put movies up that you know and 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 tried to put that Sylvester Stallone movie up the the Cobra that scene that we did the whole thing and oh yeah they denied me they denied me a PA slot all I was a PA I wasn't even a producer but yeah. that's okay that's okay yeah. it, it yeah. happened there's a lot of stuff on IMDb that's I mean that's not on IMDb that I've done just because they don't agree to everything. So next and there's a lot one. more popping up. So, yeah. Yeah. Next one. Look at the look at us up on Doc Rio TV. <laughs> <laughs> now that is the funniest thing I ever ever said because I accidentally said it in the beginning of the first Doc Rio TV video. And we're you know okay. A guy named Louis Vidot, um, Jordan. Barnes, I wanted to say his middle name, Jordan Barnes. Anyway, he, I call him Jordan Lewis Vidot Barnes, and he, his <laughs> nickname as a rapper was Lewis Vidot. Like he loved the Louis Louis V bags, and he always had this thing about talking about his Louis Louis Vidot uh, shoulder bag. You know, a Louis Vuitton shoulder bag, shoulder bag, Louis Vuitton shoulder bag, Louis Vuitton. Um, uh, but Louis Vidot, Louis Louis. He, um, in his songs, that was kind of a line from his songs because he always said that. Um, he had a way in a, a, of rapping and a style of rapping that you could put him in the booth and he could actually lay down everything. I mean, he's still, to this day, I, I'm astonished between the Edric Stitz Push Button Entertainment and Louis Vidot, them together. I, I'm surprised they're not still working together and making these awesome songs and really publishing this great music. However, you know, um, um, Lewis was doing this video. Well, actually, he wasn't even doing a video. I had my laptop open and I'm sitting here and he's playing his song. I play, played his song on the radio and I knew he was going to jump in and start singing it. So I pushed record on my laptop. And you know how we have the, the camera on the laptop, the, uh, the, yes. the iPhone, the eye camera, the so I turn the laptop and I'm sitting here and I'm recording him with the laptop open like 
bumping to the music and he's singing his whole song and he gets through part, most of his song and he realizes he's on camera and he comes over. Oh, and I'm like, yeah, you see it first folks right here on Doc T real TV, you know, da, 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 da. And he jumps back and he goes, Oh, and he jumps back into his song into the next verse. And he keeps going, pointing at the camera. And then we go through this whole thing. And at the end, I'm like, look at us up on doc real. And it just slips right out. But then from that point on, we keep, I keep using it. I took it as a statement. Look at us up on Doc Real TV and every end of video and every explosion. I'd be like, look at us up on Doc Real TV. <laughs> and it just became this like this, this thing about look at us up. <laughs> so like we're climbing up a ladder. And, and I think, you know, I think we all climbed up different ladders. However, the whole time, you know, I feel like I continued that whole statement in my head. Anytime I did a video, it was always about, look, look, I'm coming up. I'm always moving up, up a ladder somewhere. I'm growing somewhere. Yeah. And so that's where that came from. <laughs> look at that's us up funny. on Doc Real TV. That's funny. Um, and the last one, you know what time it, you know what time? You know what time it is. That is my tagline. Anytime you see me, usually I come on, you know what time it is. It's time for more hop in the hot box with Doc Real. Today we got, and you've you've heard me say it yes, in the interview with you. Yeah, it's it's um it became a thing where when I came on camera, I'd be like, you know what time it is, folks. And then it became something that I said so much that it it, it, it you know what time it is. It came out. And then when I got on the radio, that was it. The radio changed that whole voice because whenever I go, you know what time it is, folks. That's the right. It's time for more in the hot box with Doc Rio. And today we have a special guest on the air. Her name is Eva. You see what I mean? And yes. so, you know, whenever I do that, it takes a whole nother. I turn my volume up and everything in my ear so I can get into that radio mode. Uh, so I went into a whole nother mindset. And the you know what time it is, is is all about because one thing we did for the radio and I know I closed, I know I closed that. Are you hearing? A, yeah, it's open. Um, one of the things I did for the radio that's going to keep going on because you got people on Discord. Um, one of the things I did for the radio is um, at the very beginning, we'd always say it's 11.03 a.m. And da, da 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 So whenever I said, you know what time it is, I would say the time. <laughs> and the weather is da 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 And so it became part of like this bit for me to do it every time I was on the air. And then it became such a habit that when I got on film and television and, and, and even Anytime I, I'm, I'm solo on the air, it's you know what time it is. It's just the way it is. The time is now. I got this. I'm going to read it to you because it says that's a horrible idea. What time? <laughs> I like that. That's a horrible idea. What time? What time are we going to do it? <laughs> Let's do it. Let's go. Let's do it right now. <laughs> Oh my God, I had so much fun with you. Thank you so much for- It's always uh, enjoyable. To, uh, to do a podcast. I'm going to post it everywhere, of course. Aww. And um, 
Oh my God, I'm I'm so I feel so blessed that I have you on my side and and I can talk to you and you are just amazing. Thank you so much. Oh, you're amazing too. Oh, it's good to be around good people and and I'm glad to be a part, you know, of your extended family. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great year to 2022. 2022. No. Yeah. 2022. Okay, I'm dyslexic. <laughs> That's okay. It's still going to be two, two, two. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening. And don't forget to, uh, to leave me a notification, ask me a question, or subscribe. Thank you. Goodbye.